Hello there and welcome to... Oh, what? Is that it? Is that what I say? Hello there, welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is another Not List episode. Because we're stretching shit out as much as we can. Not really on purpose. No, it just kind of happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know. we, we, we don't want to watch our top films of all time. Um, I don't necessarily don't, I, we don't want to, it's just, you know, the way that, the nature that we've established of this podcast, like, very early on, is that we're going to do two things, we're going to talk about lists, and we're going to talk about new movies, and so, we just kind of, at this time of the year, we just kind of get overwhelmed with yeah, exactly. new movies, and we're not we're doing bonus things, yeah, yeah, so. Uh, so we're talking about two films this week, um, in this little special, uh, the first being the second of the HBO Max and theatrical same time releases the little things the new john lee hancock what was the first one prime one uh and well the second film well the first one was wonder woman 1984. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay you, you remember that. that's, I forgot. that's right there in your words of the year list uh the second one will be a film that's not released for six months yeah it's, it's over your little special access with film independent did, did you ever find out if there was a an nda on that we, we did this we recorded our nine days episode Last week, I remember you saying, like, I hope there's no NDA on this. Oh, I didn't even look. I don't think so. There can't be. I, why would there be? But, uh, yeah. So let's get the uh, shitty one out of the way first, and uh, let's talk about John Lee Hancock's The Little Things. Oh, I forgot to do a clip. That's all right. You know him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend you got. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still gotta catch him, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the trunk space? Well, there's. Well, that was great hearing Jared Leto do a weird voice. Hey. <laughs> my favorite. I'm no, continue. continue. We'll talk continue about my voice. favorite Jared Leto so aspects we're, of this. We're in 1990 because this script, I believe, was written in 19 like the 90s. I'm pretty. We read that somewhere. I don't know if that's true. I, I want to jump in. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was written in 1993 by Hancock. My favorite thing about this movie is that it tells us it's 1990, like it's a flashback. The and very beginning of the movie. Stays, stays and it's just 1990. It yeah. just is 1990. You don't have to tell us. You could just, your production design should show us that. I mean, of course, you should probably get rid of that mo very modern looking Wells Fargo sign that just is front and center. And in also, the film. The and very modern looking Rami Malik. And are uh, you know like the T-Mobile ads that are in the windows? Maybe maybe get rid of those. But you know what? There's always production design issues. I'm not gonna uh, besperch the film for that. I'll besperch the film for a lot of other stuff. Um. Anyways, a girl's driving along, you know, highway. She's getting chased. She runs out. She escapes the killer. We think it's a killer because it is a killer. Because uh, you know, there's a bunch of people getting killed. A bunch of women getting killed and yeah. displayed by a serial killer. And Denzel Washington, playing uh, Joe Deacon, comes down to, to, to L.A., the sheriff's department that he used to work for. To get some boots. Yeah, to get some boots, but really he's there 
to like get into the case because it's tied to uh, he feels like a case from his past. Wow, it's it's surprising. I watched this movie two nights ago and I've forgotten it already. Well, let me know if you need me to jump in because I just watched it last night. Yeah, jump in. I'm really am forgetting. So yeah, most he gets of this movie. he gets asked to go to uh, a different precinct and uh, in his old precinct to get some boots, which are evidence for some other case that he's working on. Um, and when he's there, he finds that there's another murder that's uh, taken place that's got nothing to do with what we just saw with the girl in the car, um, but that Rami Malek playing Jim Baxter, Detective Jim Baxter, who took Deke's place on the force, even though Deke left five years ago. So Rami Malek has been there for five years, even though they treat him like he just got there. But anyway, so then he's, because he was attached to the case that this the original case that this crime has something to do with, Rami Malek just kind of asks him to hang out and go to the crime scene and see some stuff. Um, but then there's a Terry Kinney problem, except for the fact that it's not a problem and that he's his old chief. Or no, he was his old partner, and now he's the chief of the department. And now... Uh, but there's some bad blood. And then... And then some things happen, and, and... Your dick was out. Yeah. And then uh, there's a weird scene when, when Deke goes to... He decides he's going to check all these... Um, because of this, uh, this, where this murder happened, there was um, a, a, a refrigerator was broken, and, and, and there was a, a, a repairman was tasked with coming to fix it. And so he goes to check out get a list of names from this repair place. Do you remember this scene? Mm-hmm. And he goes to the second one. He goes to one, and then he goes to like a less, he goes to ABC repairs or appliances, and then he's just like in his car and he looks at something like over his shoulder and he like smiles. This is Denzel Washington does Denzel Washington smile seemingly to himself, and then he goes into AAA appliance, which is less, which that. is less good of an appliance store because there are just like wires hanging from the ceiling. And then he keeps like looking in like this space. Like he knows somebody's there. Like behind the curtain. Right. Yeah. He just keeps looking and like there's a chair moving and like it's like, oh, and it's Jared Leto. Play, I don't, what's his character's name? Albert Sparma. Oh, Albert Sparma. I love the Sparma. It's um, a good 90s last name. So, but he doesn't know him, right? No. He's not, he wasn't part of the original investigation. Like, uh, that's kind of what I thought because of, like, the way that the, the film was working. It was like, oh, he knows this guy. He's, like, had an as eye on this guy for five years, and he's going to come back, and he's going to get him, and blah, blah, blah. Um, no, no, there's none of that's there. But they do suspect Sparma is their guy. And there's a, there's a weird chase scene where time and space have no relevance anymore on the highway where where in his green old car and Denzel Washington in a in a blue old car keeps switching sides of the highway absolutely like <laughs> at will um and then that highway mark has some relevance to the case they're working on but only for a minute and then never has any more relevance again uh on top of this uh 
Deke is having some kind of emotional problems. This case took a, a toll on him when he was originally working on it. He had he, a heart attack. He had a heart attack. He got Lost divorced. His wife. Yeah. Um, his dog died and his truck broke down. And he hasn't talked to his two daughters in some time, even though his wife says that he sh- his ex-wife says that he should call them, but he maybe won't call them. I don't know. Unironically, Rami Malek's character seems to be having the same problems. He's taking it too seriously. Yeah. He's getting more and more intense. He is staring weirdly at nothing when his family's around. Um, and then they break into Sparma's house because to look for evidence because Deke will find the evidence. But then he doesn't find any evidence. But then he also clumsily crawls over uh, the roof of the apartment building. And can everybody see him? I don't think so. Doesn't it seem like they're looking right at him? Because if they're not looking right at him, what the hell are they looking at? And they just show him. Well, this they is, show everybody looking. This is and 1990. Like, so, you know, Doom was coming out around that time. And you couldn't look up in Doom. So Maybe that's a, maybe it's a, a, a reference a to that. A Doom prequel, yeah. Maybe. Um... One thing leads to another, and these guys end up, um, Jim and Sparma, Robbie Malik and Jared Leto, end up in a car together going to some random place where the where this new missing girl who we saw briefly who was jogging. Um, did we think, I mean, did we think there was this many connections to Seven in the original script? I feel like it's probably not. Well, Maybe. Only because they if they weren't connections as much as it's just like random stuff that all yeah. movies no, no, do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's just like a lot of stuff. There's similarities there. Sure, pretty, pretty 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 tight. They don't drive cars as slow in Seven. That's true. There's always a car. Did you notice that in this movie? There's literally always a car driving by, really fucking slow. Well, because you gotta see that's a 1990s car. I guess, I guess so, but it also makes you think that like everybody's the killer. Like, well, that's the killer. Why is he driving so slow? Yeah, and it's not. They end up in this thing. Uh, spoiler alert: Rami Malek hits Jared Leto in the head with a shovel, and it's a apparently like the most, you know, oh, deadliest shovel ever. I actually appreciated that hitting a person. That hard with a shovel is going to kill. Of course, but not in, I'm o- not in movies. But I'm okay with a movie being like, no, you hit a person with a shovel, they they die. Well, I'm, I guess we could talk about this. Is that like, I guess in a movie this stupid and bad, like, why are you picking this one thing to really like, cling to? Like, we're we're keeping biology and physics in its place. It was really hard for Denzel Washington to climb up on that roof. It was we went really slow. I'm pretty sure he climbed over the same spot two times, and you die if you get hit in the face with the shovels. Um, I don't, I don't know, Mario. This movie's pretty stupid and bad. No, no, it's, it's bad. It's very bad. I mean, I remember I told you the thing I appreciated about it is that it made me like miss some 90s and early 2000s movies of this ilk mm-hmm. and i guess it, it kind of fits that mold but has like i kind of told you that before it in he does like a he's he has the charisma to watch i least. suppose he looked rough in this yeah um but you know once once they get in the car together 
And once Jared Leto becomes like a lot of Jared Leto, and once Jared Leto and Rami Malek are like working off of each other without a good actor in the mix, it do, it, it 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 falls into a long game of spider territory. Because mm. uh, like I said, it reminded me of like the Kiss the Girls Double Jeopardy um, style films of that ilk, and I. I you know, I like those types of movies. There's there's well, something just, popcorn enjoyable about that, but yeah, yeah. this movie, there's something about those films that, like, while they are serious with themselves, um, you know, Jennifer Eat and all that is a similar style, or uh, or copycat. Ooh, um, I like copycat. You know, the the issue is this is just like it stops just being fun. It never it, like once once Rami Malek and Jared Leto are on the screen together for too long. It's not fun because you're just like these two guys think they're in a movie. Well, I just wonder what. And that's a problem. I think Denzel yeah. thinks he's like in a '90s movie. He thinks he's in Out of Time. He thinks mm, ooh, Tony Scott's be been good. risen from the ground and and is directing a movie again. Uh, so he's kind of like playing this hammy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared Leto and Remy Malik didn't get that. Get into that memo. Well, you could argue that they did. There's a lot of scenes in this movie where. Um, Clearly, Jared Leto was going full method and just said a thing, like in the mid, like they were about to cut, and he said another thing, and then they didn't cut and they left the thing in. So he just like makes random comments about like this looks, this looks like a butterfly or something. He just says stupid shit like in the like where there's clearly no lines, but he just said a line, and so now there's now there's a line all of a sudden. It reminded me a lot, like from a filmmaking perspective, it reminded me a lot of The Irishman, where just like there's a lot of Denzel just kind of looking at stuff, being like, how long am I going to look at this thing? Like, how long can yeah. I carry this face for before you cut away and, and then we don't have to do this? This, this movie did kind of remind, kind of make me feel, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure he's not, but it makes me sad that, that Jared Leto isn't in James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Because mm. James Gunn seems like Jared Leto would start doing that and James Gunn would be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, Jared Leto, like James Gunn, seems like the type of guy who's just like, listen, I like money, and I like comics because I'm a big kid. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck. You up. You will not ruin this with your yeah. fucking trash. Yeah, I will have John Cena beat the shit out of you for real. He's that's the only reason he's in this movie. <laughs> it's that I can threaten to beat you to death if you get out of hand. Um, it's funny because I, I kind of liked. They did this on their ringer. They did like a top five Denzel. They did like a Denzel kind of, you know, a career um, consideration where they just kind of looked at the fact that Denzel Washington does all these prestige projects and he's won all these awards and he's, like, one of our best actors, but he's made, in the last, like, 20 years, a ton of garbage. Like, he's made some cool movies, too. Flight was a good movie. Um, or he was good in Flight. Um, he was good in another movie, too. He's not. I mean, he's mostly good in everything he does because he's Denzel Washington. He's you know whatever, but he's also made like a bunch of trash. I, I don't really get the. I don't. But and you can kind of see, I guess, why he would do a lot of those movies, I like, like the Equalizer movies. But that's the thing. I think the Equalizer was kind of jumping off of that old man Liam Neeson thing, where that was his version of that thing. And Anton Foucault knows how to like yeah, direct yeah. the shit out of a movie um, if he wants to. I don't understand why he would do this movie. I'm not actually 100 percent sure why anybody in this movie is in it. R- Rami Malek had to have. Been, I mean, he fucking stinks. He's terrible. But he's also f- super famous now and an Oscar winner. Do something else. 
Don't you have, after having seen this movie, don't you have very little hope that this new James Bond movie is going to be any good? If he's going to be a main character in that movie, I don't see how he they pull that off. I think I think I still have hope for Kerry Fukunawa. I mean, I could imagine like Kerry Fukunawa being like, yeah, he's the main villain. Like ten minutes in, it's like Bond shoots him in the head. Or he just like he was so bad they don't let him speak, and he edits he edits it perfectly that he you know the role has all this gravitas and power of a Bond villain, but he never says anything. Okay, he just knows. He just knows how to work with actors. I hope so. Because... It's weird to think that the best stuff Rami Malek's done has been the Night at the Museum trilogy, huh? It's weird Which to think. Which is not saying much. No, it's a low he's bar. Bad in those he's... two, yeah. Mr. Robot sucks. I mean, I don't. I I've never. Christian Slater's better. Right. Well, <laughs> and I'm not right to denigrating Christian Slater. I think Christian Slater is a good mid tier actor. Yeah, but nobody's going to call Christian Slater one of our greats. Rami Malek's not good. Well, at here's what show. I would say. I watched the newest Shark Boy and Lava Girl movie that's on Netflix, which is oh, it is rough. How much Pedro Pascal is in that? I like I like some Pedro. A Pascal. lot more than you would think that there would be. But Christian Slater is also in it. He is also stuck in the room with Pedro Pascal for most of the movie. And Christian Slater is awesome. He, him, and Pedro Pascal elevate this terrible, terrible movie. Well, I like it because of that. No, no, no. It's no. very bad. Um, the special effects are bad. The kids are bad actors. It's very bad. Well, Robert Rodriguez's thing is bad special effects. But it's, it's just, it's very, it's long and tedious, and it sucks. No. It's really bad. But Christian Slater and Pedro Pascal and a couple of the other adults do their best to when they're on the screen to kind of take it. To a more legitimate level, and maybe it's because Robert Rodriguez is a real filmmaker. Also, these three guys aren't doing anything to the point that when the movie ended and it just kept showing little twisty things, I was like, I, "Did he do it, or did he like? It, what it is the point matter. of any of this? What what is the twi- why are there, why are there twists? Is this why is the ending of this movie less to do about like who done it and like the moral ramifications of an accident?" Like, why is this movie about that? And I don't even understand how Denzel Washington shot that girl in the chest. Why was she out there in her underpants? Did he actually do that? He did, right? Yes, of course. But why? Who knows? John Lee Hancock, I think we can settle this, is, is a bad filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Like, The Rookie was whatever. The rookie was fine. Like, Saving Mr. Banks wasn't good. Oh, yeah, Saving Mr. Highway Banks. Man was terrible. Uh, Blindsides. The Founder was passable. But, mm. you know, Michael Keaton's charisma can carry anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why we just keep, why, he, why he's considered, like, a good journeyman director. But it's the thing, I think, interestingly, that I think this is one of the things that um, this streaming oh, yeah, revolution. Kazam. Is that a, what? Is that one of the Kazams? Did you see that Thomas Newman did the score to this? Yeah, I. Didn't it seem like Thomas Newman just kind of went like this on a keyboard a bunch? Oh, but, but you're just kind of like. Thomas, that sounds Thomas Newman. I was, I was gonna say, like, it kind of like it was, it's nice after a year of like bad Thomas Newman scores to have a Thomas Newman score that's kind of like just nailed into a <laughs> film. You're just like, oh, this is enjoyable. If, even if it's just Thomas Newman going dun, 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 on a piano, um, this is this oh, is this, that makes sense. What is that? Who that is? Wait, we can keep talking. I was thinking, this is these types of movies are what these streaming services are for, as far as I'm concerned. Like. I don't see how, and this is why, I should say it the other way, these types of movies 
are the reason that HBO or that uh, Universal and Warner Bro- Universal, yeah, no Warner Brothers, that Warner Brothers decide did to just put all this stuff on HBO. If they also have to put a Judas and the Black Messiah uh, on there, they will do that because no one can see it. But this movie stinks. And if they got released in theaters, nobody would see it because it's awful. Yeah. And they knew it. And I'm going to assume three quarters of the movies that are coming out on HBO Max that are part of this thing are fucking hot garbage. Yeah, I think... And they know it. I mean, and I so they're just be, like, okay, fine. I think like there's going to be two like two or three bad movies in a row, then a good movie, then like two or three bad movies and a good movie. Because it seems like they're spacing it out that way. Mm. Like, um, you know, after this we get Judas and the Black Messiah... Then I think it's like Godzilla versus Kong, which would have gotten money anyway. But like I can't see Adam Winberg doing a good job with that. And no. I'm an Adam Winberg guy. Uh, and Tom and Jerry, Mortal Kombat, and then we get those who wish we were dead. Mm. And that, I think that will, I, I mean I'm pretty confident I'll like that at mm-hmm. least. You know Taylor Sheridan doing Taylor Sheridan. It'll stuff. be it'll be it'll be well made. Yeah. And whether or not you jive with it is I could appreciate Hell or High Water. For its, or what it's doing. Um, I remember getting the the Jeremy. Rad, uh, oh, Wind River. Uh, yeah, Wind, Wind River. Yeah, he did Wind, Wind River. River. He right. directed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Wrote and directed it. I can dig those movies because they're well made and those are well acted and they're they they mean something even if they don't like mean anything. And that's a, I think the reason why a lot of these good ones are getting pushed later too is like the supposedly good ones. Uh, like the James Wan horror movie, mm. or like, I have confidence that the Suicide Squad is going to be good, just because I think James Gunn, with an R rating, mm-hmm. can do well. Because I, I think at a certain point, HBO, like, the Warner Bros. is going to be like, you know where we said all these things are going to be released straight to, like, streaming? Nope. They'll yeah. just pull that. I think. I think. I think that plug is going to get pulled like late summer. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, we'll. The, I mean, I think in the heights is probably the 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 like the one yeah. that kind of they kind of dictate. Like, oh, 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 you know, a certain percentage of people have gotten vaccinated. We can put this just in theaters, and maybe it comes out on HBO Max like fairly soon after. I think it'll be depending like the, on the what three the, week the three week gap. Right, right, is right. Like what they do with but, that, but um. You know, now that AMC is flush with cash because they they changed their business model and they're doing things right now, and that's the reason people invested in them, right? Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> that's why they're just worth like so much all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, GameStop. I always want to say GameSpot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I keep. I always GameSpot was great. I was not a GameStop guy. I was a Funko Land guy. Aren't you excited that our next review is so much better than this review? This is like <laughs> this, is, this review is just like the the energy that we're showing in this review is the energy you feel watching this film. It's very long. It's like two hours and seven minutes. Yeah. And when it, the movie ends, you're just like, wait a second, why is Denzel Washington's dog so emaciated and leaves and roams in the desert for three weeks and then it, so it comes back like twice he hasn't been back in three weeks and it comes back twice in the span of five days doesn't matter this movie is fucking terrible um yeah it made me long for like an ashley judd denzel washington vehicle so you know or or remember the bone collector you had mentioned oh. the bone collector oh, bone collector, love yeah. the bone collector yeah, it's a fun one. It's a good one. I wish the killer was better in the Bone Collector. That's fine. It does its job. I mean, the actor. It's it's what's his face. I think is I can't remember the actor's name. I know his face, but I can see it, but I can't remember his name either. Um, but it's so 
He's just not. He's not big enough in it. He's. 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 Ah. Uh, I wrote whatever. The, I wrote the boob collector. <laughs> sure, I wrote the boob collector. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know, of course, it's uh, uh, Leland Orzer. Queen Latifah. Oh no, yeah, Leland Orzer. We've talked about Leland Orzer before for some reason on the podcast. Because of Seven. Right. Oh, I forgot Mike McGloin is in that movie. Oh, jeez. I forgot Michael Rooker's in that movie. I remember I thought I wanted Michael Rooker to be the killer. And Ed O'Neill. I was like, I remember as a kid I was so disappointed when Ed O'Neill and Michael Rooker both weren't the killer. Mm. Like, <laughs> if I if that movie came out now and Leland Orzer was a killer, I'd be pretty actually happy. We're going to... um Because comp- Leland Orzer, you would never expect Leland Orzer to be the bad guy. Well, because he doesn't play bad guys. He yeah. plays people that are disturbed by things that the bad guys did. Yeah. So, that's... See, but that's... What that movie did right, which this movie does wrong. It subverted something that really matters, which, like, Leland Orser. This oh, subverts Philip, nothing. Philip Noyce directed that? He's, he's pretty good. He did Patriot Games and all that. He did? Yeah. There you go. I like Philip Noyce. High five, Philip Noyce. And high five, You're the Bone Collector. Better than John Lee Hancock. Well, that's, that's You're not saying You're maybe much. not as good as the director we're going to talk about next. Perhaps. Because he only has one movie. Right, and this, you know, he's got a whole, uh, an oeuvre behind him. This guy's got, <laughs> yeah, eh, he's got nothing. He doesn't, he doesn't have any, you know, uh, oh, God, Tom Clancy movies to work with. I wanted to say Tim, Tim Ryan. Well, if maybe one day. <laughs> I was mixing up Jack Ryan and Tom Clancy in my head. Maybe one day he will. Maybe the Tom Clancy revolution is coming back, and yeah. he will direct John Krasinski's uh, no, no, John Krasinski. I don't think John. No, he's Jack Ryan in the new Amazon. Yeah, series. he is. I was thinking that Michael C. Not Michael. Michael C. Um, Jordan. Michael B. Jordan oh, oh. was the Jack Ryan in movies, but Michael B. Jordan's the other character from the Jack Ryan's. Who cares? Tom Clancy's dead. Let's move on from him. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with uh, a better movie. Dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is a very special episode because for the first time we got like really special access to a movie that isn't coming out for a while. We're uh, real film reviewers now. We are real film reviewers. This is what real film reviewers real film reviewers do. They review a movie eight months before anybody can anybody can see the movie, which was what happened with this movie. Actually, it would have been a year. I read reviews for this from Sundance. Yeah, and then we got to see it in late December. No, wait. Early January? Early yes. January. Uh, the 16th is when I watched it. And now it's February. Yeah. And the movie's not coming out till Until June. June. It's very exciting. <laughs> and who knows what that release will look <laughs> yeah, like. If it even gets released in June. Yeah. Yeah. The movie we're talking about, guys, is uh, the directorial debut or the feature directorial debut of Edson Oda. And it is called... It's a movie that we were both looking forward to. We didn't mention it like last year in our... our our anticipated films, but between ourselves, you know, throughout the year, we we're kind of on the lookout for this for this movie. It is uh, a little film called Nine Days. You are being considered for the amazing opportunity of life.
you will have the chance to be born in a fruitful environment where you can grow, develop, and accomplish. Am I dead? I wouldn't say you're alive or dead. Are you the boss? I would say a cog in the wheel. <laughs> How long is this process? If you make it until the end. Nine days. Uh, that felt bad to hear, like, everything I just heard. Because uh, I miss this movie. <laughs> I miss it already. Um, I feel like Winston Duke should release an ASMR podcast of just him speaking. Oh, yeah. In that kind of, like, I don't know I don't know what kind of accent he has in this movie, but just something. That kind of elevated, like, speech pattern with his, with his words and things like that. Um... I mean, he always kind of has that, but this is like it's on. Crack it's it's and it's 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 uh, exaggerated. Um, Winston Duke plays Will, and he is an interviewer, and he is interviewing people for the uh, position of of life, and he spends his days uh, in his craftsman style house. Um, in the middle of a desert, very far away from other craftsman-style houses where people are doing the same thing, um, watching uh, old, you know, TVs and video monitors uh, on which the lives of uh, the people he had previously chosen for existence uh, are playing out in front of him. And he sees everything through, through their eyes, uh, but they don't necessarily know that he's there. Uh, there was only one instance where someone kind of remem- like took a memory of him with them into into life um but that was briefly lived um and one of those uh one of his his people uh one of the people that he he chose um she committed suicide she was a violinist we heard a little bit of that violin which kind of doubles as the score which i think is really just the best um, should, we, should we be careful like we should not really spoil stuff for this one in particular, right? Well, I could do the spoiler alert. Yeah, I think I think I think after that, after like I think establishing her death is fine because I think that's kind of okay. But I think after this, we should do spoiler alert because like it's <laughs> people can't see it. People I thought about like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, here comes here it comes guys. This is the spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You have been warned! Excellent. That was a, that was a good... I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> that was a good like half hour I spent in my house one day. Um, Alright, so now we can say anything. Um, And so, at his door the next day uh, come uh, some, some candidates. And they run the gamut of personalities and uh he questions them and it's his job to pick uh who the right person would be and the right person is really kind of a loaded question in this it's 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 totally subjective up to will although he does have his friend in some capacity um Kyo, Kyo played by benedict wong kind of there to assist him making Independent sure spirit award nominee the, i know um making sure he picks the right uh, makes the right choice. Um, 
some of the people that come through are Alexander, played by Tony Hale. Uh, there is Kane, played by Bill Skarsgård. Um, there is Emma, who is played by Zazie Beetz, and he just kind of assigns the, the, them these names arbitrarily for no reason. There's also Mike, played by David Reisdahl, and Maria, uh, played by Ariana Ortiz. Those are the, the kind of... Um, Core five. Yeah. And then there's some other people that he kind of dismisses instantaneously. They must be really boring souls. Well, I just, <clears throat> at some point in the middle of it, my wife was just like, wait, what happened to that old lady? And I was like, no, no, you just saw him sadly cross her name off. Like, and that's all you, that's all you know of what happened to her. She just is gone. And the same thing with the other people. But they're there. That's why this movie's great, because it's meticulous. He did it. He cast them aside. We saw him do it. It's not a hole. Um, and then what takes place is uh, they are asked to, to complete some simple tasks and have discussions and watch life unfold. And he asks, Will asks them how they would respond to it. And based on these decisions, he makes... Based on their answers, he makes uh, the decision on who he's going to send through. Plot. <laughs> Done. Did it. Um, That's not even a major spoiler. Huh? Well, because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I could walk through every step yeah, of the movie, think, but what's the necessary. point of that? We uh, might get there. Yeah. I mean, we might reveal we'll get some there stuff in some talk, things. Yeah. But, um, uh, taking a sip of the coffee. A sip of the coffee. Um... One of the things, Mario, that so if you're listening to this, it is it's been a week since we posted our best of the of 2020 episode, and um, one of the things I thought a lot about while I was making that was that I didn't have uh, the epiphanic film moment that I I had in the first two years that we did we've been doing this podcast. So uh, when I sat down in the theater to watch Blaze at Criterion. Uh, Knocked my socks off. It was a joy. It was all the things that our movie's supposed to do. Kind of the same thing with High Life, but in a different way. There was no joy from the movie. There was joy and recognition that I was seeing something just kind of like like amazing in in in, in a different way. Um, I didn't have that in 2020, um, as you will have heard me say if you listen to our 2020 episode. Um, but I've already had it in 2021. Much like I had mine really early in yeah, yeah, 2020. Yeah. Um, and I feel really good about it. Like, it uh, is just one of those movies that kind of makes you, for me, that makes, um, that confirms, like, film as more than just, like, a way to get Marvel things to happen. Or King Kong bashing Godzilla in the head with a laser sh shield type thing. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to know what happens there. <laughs> but, like, you know... King Kong's just going to do this type if of it, movie. If it didn't happen, I'd be be fine. Um, this is kind of a... It, it's... I, I don't know. It's, it is... I don't really have the words to express, like, how this movie... I watched this movie twice before the code expired, and... Um, or the link expired, and it was, and I wanted to watch it like instantaneously, like a third time. It's so deep, it's so affecting, it's so well done from a performance and a production standpoint, um, on almost every level, that I'm kind of hard pressed to like, like I said, put into words like all the different ways that this is working in a really concise package. Yeah, I almost want to make a like, I almost want to like. We should have made a list 
and then like gone down the list of like a hundred things that we could spend ten minutes on talking about like why it's so great. To me, this this almost this film almost feels like the intent that Spike Jones put out in every single one of his films and has not yet been able to really reach. Mm. Um, in, in the fact that, and I, and I don't mean it's not an insult. It's it's you know to to him. Um, it is just basically, it's it's such a, a a minor production in terms. I mean, it's ten million dollars. Surprising, just surprising to me. But yeah. um, it's it feels so minor. It, it you know it feels so intimate, so personal. Yet it's doing so many things mm-hmm. um, in this really lo-fi way uh, that it, it it has this level of grandiosity to it. it. It feels like a real respect to to a lot of the modern filmmaker, like a lot of the modern kind of like classic indie filmmakers too it has a lot of like Jeannot influence for me it has mm. um, you know it, just, it has it has a lot of that closeness and, and real sense of self and it feels like everyone in this project was on the same wavelength like every person involved knew how to play off of each other from an acting perform from an acting standpoint but also from you know that, that fantastic score Ooh. by Antonio you know Pinto I, like as we talked as we talked about last week my scores from 2020 were, uh, you know, I nominated stuff. <laughs> um, you know, had this been a 2020 film, this would, you know, that score would have been far and away. Yeah. Um, and we, we, you know, also talked about how from a cinematography standpoint, you know, it was it was hard pressed to find a film that, that was really impressive on the small screen. You know, the fact that we saw all but, I saw all but like four movies <laughs> in, on the small screen last year. And this would be easily my one or two. Um, probably my two, I'd say. But still, the fact that like I saw this on a small screen, maybe if I saw this on the big screen, it would it would be more competitive. But the fact that you know I saw this on a forty-two inch television instead of a sixty-foot or whatever film screen speaks volumes to how well everyone's working in tandem together. And this does not in any way feel like a, a feature debut for a director. Like Edson Oda is just doing, having so much restraint, mm-hmm. and and that's the entire thing about this film is it's careful restraint it, it's it's it never oversteps anything well and it's so i guess restraint is almost is the you know is synonymous with control but i just love and they both work in the same way so i love that he's he figured out a way to do these kind of daybreak yeah. establishing shots wherever he filmed this however he did it he's figured this out so he doesn't set like major set pieces outside but he doesn't set major set pieces outside you know in this kind this of space filmed in the salt flats i don't know i know it's filmed in utah I just wonder I, i'm it. assuming it looked like it probably was but i guess in there's a lot of paul thomas anderson in in some of that stuff and like how he used cameras in um there will be blood where he didn't like there will be blood. There's like a, just a, a ton of space shown all the time, but he knew when he needed to pull the, the thing back in, he couldn't just stay there forever. And if he was staying there, it wasn't to show you something like ultra significant. It was to accentuate the gravity of the mood or use it as an, as an, as an atmosphere setter or a tone setter rather than, um, just kind of beating you over the head with something beautiful. Every shot has a usefulness here, and he doesn't. There's no wasted anything. Mm-hmm. Like there's no wasted establishing shots. There's no wasted shots of the sunset. There's no wasted time. 
like walking through the desert, even when the, the couple of times Benedict uh, Keo's kind of you know walking in the dark um, through like these like little sandstorms or whatever, and he sees some some people that have been dismissed or whatever. It has been, which is great too, because God does not feel like the um, the wandering waifs in, in from Dante. Mm. Like there's so much Dante in this too, which is just great. Yeah, what there's a Virgil, who's Virgil? He names somebody. Virgil, or oh, somebody's yeah. name is Virgil, or something. Yeah, I don't remember. I wish I could. Remember. He wrote it down on like the. On yeah. the it's like the top of one of the things. Um, but he doesn't. He just gives you the darkness, and he gives you some light, and he gives you some flecks of sand, and that's it. And that that I think coincides with the fact that he they just leave a bunch of things up open for interpretation. So, one of the things my wife like had a question about was like the junk pile, and I was like, I could come up with fifty reasons why that junk pile exists. Um, but none of them really matter. There's a junk pile. Mm-hmm. Like in the middle of whatever this is, and he's able to pull from it whatever he needs to make these moments, which are just incredible for these people that are that are going to be leaving, um, that, you know, that he's, he's not going to choose. Yeah. Um, and I think the... It's just world. It's all just world building. It's all world but, building, but, but he, he doesn't but it, bother to go to double back and be like, "I need to tell you ex- very explicitly how this works," because that would break the world. Which is also great about this is the fact that that works in such a service to the film because it becomes such an intimately personal movie. Yes, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I think I, I think I, I kind of described to you, like my takeaway from it was kind of like all one man's perspective and kind of like well, the worst way of describing it, like a a variation of the film identity. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, which is funny. <laughs> uh, like that's that's how I kind of saw it. Just like a person grappling with all these these senses of of failure. Um, I mean, John yeah. C. McGinley would be an asset in this movie as well. <laughs> that's so. true. Um, you know, but but I think I think that kind of um, level of restraint and that level of of security in his film to not explain those things mm-hmm. um, allows it to become a personal experience for for the viewer. Yep. And I think it's um, it's interesting because that personal experience is really is he's giving us kind of the characters except for Will and Keo are really presented as archetypes. Um, they are presented as kind of base personalities um, from which Will is dumping some kind of hypothetical um, and Colleen. And Colleen, yeah, is she is dumping pops up for a minute to be like, but even she's good. <laughs> Some hypothetical life situations and asking them how their base archetypal personalities would react to that situation happening. It allows, I think, the viewer to identify with like any number of people as well. So Will, I think you and me have kind of settled on the fact that Will is really the central, not just like the the protagonist here, but he's the central concern. So what, uh, what we think to be a kind of what I think wants to wants to seem at first glance to be a movie that's kind of giving a, like a very like a large broad message, um, I think is really this is about this one guy's struggle with you know with, failure. Watch the movie and yeah. see what and maybe we'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> you can just watch the movie and see it. I'm just like I will spoil it. <laughs> um, but well, it's a different kind of failure, though, because it's not—it's—it's yeah. it's like a totally subjective thing. He feels like he failed, but we don't necessarily know—we don't know any of his story. We have these 
tiny little nuggets that we can extrapolate like lots and lots of things through. There's all these clues, especially in the ending, that you can kind of extrapolate lots and lots of things through of how he sees the world. But they never, he, um, Oda never kind of stops to, to, um, expound on any of those things and like you know there's no exposition dumps here anything anything that vaguely resembles an exposition dump is there for a reason but to that end you you know if you see yourself as alexander you know just wanted to hang or you see yourself as maria who just like you know feels like all this love and this you know has these romantic feelings and, and, and is really very sensual and things like that if you're mike who's just like overly sensitive if you're any one of these people um this movie's gonna this movie's gonna like hit you really really fucking hard in your guts um that's how for me that's how this movie feels so intimate and personal is that just keeps dragging it almost seems like it's dragging individual viewers into this world as deep as you could possibly go because it's not even giving these people care like real characters normal backstories or anything there's no backstory that's just this this guy is sensitive so you can just take all of your sensitivity if you're so inclined all of your feelings about inadequacy about yourself and your art or whatever and you could just dump it into mike and then when Mike gets fucking kicked out of the program, you can just be kicked out of the program also. And that shit's going to fucking hurt. And I think that's why the intimacy, but, but the, the, the tactile nature of the intimacy also, I think, is so important. Because you can just, you just, as a viewer, even if you're not identifying with any of these people, you know where every, every you know how the house works. You know what I mean? You know who's on what television. Mm. And you know the names of those people and what they're doing. And He's so getting married. You can just kind of like, you know, peer in and all this other stuff. It's it's really, 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 really fascinating. I, and yeah, go ahead. What I think is interesting, though, like to to kind of piggyback off of that in terms of each act, like each character's archetype, is the fact that like you feel. Uh, I think Oda does such a good job of feeling a real intimacy with each of those archetypes. In the moment when they're when they're centralized, mm-hmm. like when Mike is there, you know, and kind of front and center, you 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 feel your inadequacies and your insecurities and self consciousness kind of comes to the forefront. And when he's dismissed, you're, you're kind of outraged and angered. But then, like Maria, kind of like slowly becomes front and center, and that kind of like that sense of of, of passion and and whatnot kind of then comes to the forefront. And um, like. It, you know, with each of those characters, for me personally, I kind of felt like a real closeness to them. Outside of Emma, interestingly enough, I don't know what it says about me. Um, like, I love fucking Zazie Beats in this, and I think it's a great character, but I was like, I don't really get this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, with each of those characters, like, I feel as though, like, has, it mo- has the movie progressed and moved through its machinations, like, I f- felt closer to each character when Edison Oda wanted me to feel closer sure, to Sure, 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 sure. Um, I didn't really have a conclusion there. <laughs> I just was. Um, um, so I mean, I, 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 let's. I, we can go through this piece by piece. I guess we talked a little bit about the cinematography. I think it's really, um, it's really powerful, really well done, really restrained, but just like really elegant. And even when the movie is kind of messy and Terry Gilliam like with its wires and you know how he's kind of setting things up, um, or Janu too, who's you know just doing Gilliam things also. Um, Everything stays really elegant. There's like a very 
like specific color palette at play and you know i think in into that like there's the wardrobe design and the hair and and stuff um everyone has their own things yeah everyone has their own things as i <laughs> talked about when we talked about kajillionaire a couple months ago like i love when they do that stuff when they just put people in their outfits and like that's and this is kind of a stand another way to vocalize like who that person is and i think all that stuff plays well together um I think, interestingly, though, this cast is humongous and really unpredictable. I mean, I didn't expect any of these things out of any of these people. Um, specifically, like, Tony Hale. I was not, like, counting on him to come through for me. And I forgot that Benedict Wong was not just the other guy in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't know he was British. He's not British in Doctor Strange, is he? Uh, I don't know. I don't care about him. But now he's in all, now, now he's in so many movies that I really like. Um, uh, which is a good thing. I mean, that's the, that's the good thing about Marvel. You know, it giveth and it taketh away. It brings people to the forefront, and then they get cast in these indie projects You know what's more so often. funny? I was watching a movie. Speaking of Doctor Strange, I was watching a Benedict Cumberbatch movie, and I was like, oh, I feel so fucking bad for this guy. Did, you get, did you get a special early ticket for his uh, Rancher movie? No, for uh, the Mauritanian. Oh, I did um, not see that one either. It is well. It's a 2021 movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, because it's not coming out until February or something or other. Um, but he stinks in it. He's doing like How a. Did you see it? The thing that I got the other thing from. Oh. But I just got a code. Oh. It wasn't anything I could share. Oh, it wasn't okay. No, I can invite guests for some things, and you could have joined that thing. Isn't what 90 a month? 90 a 95. year. But you can vote for the Independent Spirit Awards. That's all. You can't. You can't vote this year, though, right? Yeah, I could vote. No, did you? No, not, they haven't opened to voting yet. But they just... Oh, you don't do the nominations. No, they do the nominations, but you get to vote for the winners. I think you should be able to do the nominations. Well, I don't really have a say. <laughs> you write them and demand it. But I mean, I will vote for Benedict Wong for this award. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so also, we're just saying about Benedict Cumberbatch is he's what terrible. What nominated Winston Duke. Yeah. He is not very good in the Mauritanian, and I just feel bad he's going to be one of these guys that's like Doctor Strange and in a bunch of other stuff. And he got nominated for a couple of Oscars just because he has to. Mm. But, like, you know, who cares about about Benedict Cumberbatch? But, um, like, Benedict wanted to see that coming. Bill Skarsgård? Bill Skarsgård can do work when he wants to, but, like, he's doing a lot of work here. He's... And even, like, his... The cynicism that he's kind of imbued with, like, has this real sensitivity to it. And I don't know if it's just kind of the huge heart that this movie has... Just kind of devouring everything, so even he comes off as really likable. And yeah, it's a frustration. You care about him? It's a because fr- he presents it, and, and Edson Oda presents it as a frustration, mm. like a we need to affect change, you know, in this way because these things are terrible, you know. It's not like a an ang- it's not like an unfounded, you know, angst or anger. It is a real. It is an anger, but it's a, it's a justified anger. It's a justified anger, and it's an anger that seems more. Um... I don't know. It's it, it's uh, it's not a deleterious anger. No, it's 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 like a confirmational anger mm. where he's just it's he knows something and so then he's going to move on from this from this point. And I think that's where the, the interesting comparison between his character and Zazie Beetz's character is that she doesn't know anything and she is very okay not knowing anything. And it bugs Winston Duke's character. It bugs Will to no fucking end. That she has no answers for any of the things that he's asking her. 
Because like in his mind, you have to know that everything sucks. That the world I'm dumping you into, what does he say? I'm sending flowers out there to be eaten by pigs. Yeah. That like you're gonna get eaten and or the world is gonna try to eat you and you just have to be able to fight against that world. Um It's the anti soul. Yeah. Soul. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Um <laughs> I think, I mean, to the the big revelation of this film, though, I think is Winston Duke, right? I mean, he's in every single shot of this movie, and sometimes he's just staring. Revelation as in surprise, or revelation as in... <sighs> I guess surprise only from the sense that, like, the two main things that I knew him from were the same two things that everybody knows him from, which is that one tribal leader in Black Panther, and, and then the father in Us. Yeah. He's hilarious in Us, and he's great in Us, and he's fine as whatever his name is in Black Panther. Um, but I didn't, I didn't say to myself, "Oh, this guy is going to play dramatic leads in." Um, oh my god! Existential meta film. Where'd he come from? I don't know. He really hasn't done like anything. <laughs> like his first film was Black Panther. Was it really? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. You know why you only know him from those two things? It's because before this, in film, he had done those two things Mm -hmm. and Spencer Confidential. Oh, and I didn't see Spencer Confidential. Neither did I. (laughs) Sorry, guys, from watching the best of 2020 last year. (laughs) You didn't see any Peter Berg movies? We did not. Yeah, we did not see any Peter Berg movies, which is... is there was a time when you might want to see a Peter Berg movie. He's in The Messengers. That time has passed. Um, which is a CW show. He's on a TV show? And like, was, actively? He was on Person of Interest for a while. What's that? That was that show where um, Jesus Christ, uh, Jim Caviezel, was... Um, <laughs> oh, it's not, not actually Jesus Christ? <laughs> no, where Jim Caviezel's, like, has technology stuff and whatever. Yeah. Never watched it. I never saw it. But he came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Good for Winston Duke, but yeah, based on those two things, I was I Younger did not imagine this. <laughs> Why does that fuck you? <laughs> I did not imagine that he had this kind of not even range, but he is literally carrying this movie like on his fucking back, Vulner- like an extreme amounts of like just in. It's insane. What are the more vulnerable performances? I've seen since we started reviewing this film. I mean, the, he the, looks... The, the, there are points of this on movie... On the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're a CW series now. Um, there are points of this movie where he literally looks like he just can't do this shit anymore. I mean, his and, response to, like, Amanda's death. Mm. Like, just this kind of, like, well, confusion and slow realization. Mm-hmm. One of the great shots of the 21st century. Mm. Which might be a hard thing to say, but like single shots, I'm saying. And uh, the beauty of that, I guess, is Spoiler that... Spoiler alert, it's my 2021 probably best moments. Yeah. Uh, the beauty of that, I think, is that it comes so early in the movie. And uh, you already understand the gravity of like what yeah. this, of what this one is. Of, one of the most solid first 18 minutes of a film. Oh, it's so good. And it, I mean, and you don't even know... Sorry, correction. One of the most solid for 110 minutes of film. <laughs> Just the opening 110 minutes are they're, very solid. They're pretty good, yeah. There's um, that last minute is not, you know. Um, no, yeah. It just and, and for such like a an imposing figure, because he's such an imposing looking dude. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, but you just look at that and you're just like, 
The entire the entire film, you just want to be like, you just want to Maria him. Mm, and she does. And that's one of the genius things I think about this movie is that he wanted Maria to come back and be like, I'm okay not being alive. And well, I love the fact that the, the movie ends like it ends. Yeah. Um, but I love the I love the Maria thing too. Uh, so Maria, when she gets excused, the thing she has to do is ride this bike, and he sets up this thing, this stationary bike, and some screens, and he makes it look like she's riding a bike. But at the end, uh, they hum "You Are My Sunshine" together as the camera dramatically spins, which is like my only thing I just kind of didn't love the dramatic spinning because it's a lot of dramatic spitting. I liked it because of the fact that you have this belief that she's going to like disappear yeah, with yeah, the first yeah, spin. Yeah. And so it's a lot it's that that's like it's an Oda playing, I think, with the crowd, like with the audience. I think so too. Which I, I, you're allowed you're allowed your, your allowed, feature debut, right. you're allowed to do that. It's not You're allowed one. He's not getting from A plus to A minus with that one. Yeah. It's just one of those things I was like I had the same feeling like he's going to pass Winston Duke the second time. She's not going to be there. But then she was there, and then she just kept it like kept spinning. But that's really more than anything. She wanted that. She wanted that level of intimacy. She wanted him to touch her, to like hold her hands, yeah. more so than she wanted like the bike ride. And that's where which I is wrote, which is also brilliant because the bike ride is is a tactile thing. Right. She, she wants all of those feel. things, but like th- she wants this thing like more than anything. He should have cheated and just created Legion. <laughs> Like maybe like if the Christian Bible like the Christian Bible is is the thing in the in this universe, like there's one dude who's just like that he created Legion, he's just like everyone goes into the body. <laughs> oh man. That would be awesome. It's like, God damn it, Earl. <laughs> you gotta pick one. You can't just keep doing this. Nope. They're all everyone's in. in. <laughs> We're videos, all going for a ride. These are hard to watch. There's a lot going on in these screens. <laughs> um, does that mean Dan Stevens gets to be in this movie? <laughs> what if there's a nine days sequel called Ten Days? <laughs> it's about it's about like traveling in the Dan Stevens character from the guest. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be so good. But it'll always be sad and disappointing. What if they made this whole movie and the guest was on one of the TVs the whole time? That's how Godzilla vs. Kong has to end, by the way. It's just like, like they're fighting. Zoom out. No, they're fighting and all of a sudden like, he just comes in and rolls some grenades, kills both of them and goes like... No, there's going to be... Someone has to do it and maybe you are the technical savvy person to do it of Winston Duke looking at the TVs and then on one of the TVs the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong is on and he's just like... Squinting at it like, what the hell is this? What is going on? Um, ah, but this movie's so fucking good. And then I think the the person we haven't mentioned at all, except to say that she was good, was Zazie Beats, who is totally. This is like the ideal performance, the ideal character I, for Zazie Beats. And she, the reason I guess we haven't mentioned her is like she's the one in this film. Above all else, you you kind of expect a good performance from now. <laughs> I guess so, but I just yeah yeah, yeah. I totally expect because she was even good in something shitty like the Joker. You were just like, oh, Zazie Beats is good. I have no fucking idea what she's doing here, yeah. or what her character is even supposed to be doing. But she is killing it. Yeah. Um, 
But I think it's one of those things where there he cast archetypes, and she personifies the emotions that this character or the that the the feelings or the um, the subjective reality that this person's supposed to inhabit, which is questioning, but accepting, um, and. I don't know. There's something about her hair that just reeks questioning and accepting. There's something about like the way she carries herself and the way she looks at things and the way she smiles at things and even just like the way that like her her she wears that dress is very just kind of perfect in a perfect inhabiting of that idea. And I think that's really hard to do. Um from her standpoint, but also from Edson Oda's standpoint, to make us understand somebody implicitly without us having to know anything about them. She just, she says a couple of things. Uh, she comes late for the interview. The next day, she comes late again and eats peaches while she's watching the thing. Um, doesn't say a ton because she's not, she's nothing. But we just, you just know her. You yeah. just like she, and she it, it just she just feels right in that in that role um and yeah there's a, I mean this is a, a movie that I, you hope there's a criterion for this I would I would think so so you can get like an extra disc of just stuff so you can just hang out in this world for longer I, I I'd say this is a movie we, we talk about in a year oh yeah I mean I mean, sure. 2021 would have to, like, fucking blow my brains, or I'd die, because then we wouldn't be talking about it, because I'd be dead. <laughs> but if it's because of movies, if, if, you, if your note, like, as it was happening, was like, movies are too good. <laughs> uh, the Paris Dispatch was better than I thought it was going to be. They changed the name from the French Dispatch. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> you gave me shit earlier. I'm allowed to give you Timothy one. Timothy Chalamet didn't even know he was in this movie. This is just what his life is like. After Yang caused an erection lasting more than four hours. And it was Colin Farrell induced. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie is pretty uh, excellent. You know what? I, I would love to come back to this, even when it comes out in cinemas, if we're allowed yeah. to watch it on... Oh, screen. we could watch it on a big screen. They're I think I think that will even change. Like this is gonna be a movie. I feel like I drag people to, like I my number one too, yeah. from last year. I dragged people to. Didn't get the responses I wanted for the most part, but um, yeah, no, it's 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 it is a trio of films that had like a profound effect on me mm-hmm. in terms of like that transformation of identity. We'll talk about that on the pivotal film list in a couple of weeks, fellas, um, and ladies and fellas. Fellas is non-gendered. Uh, you know, my my top two movies of the year um, that we talked about last week, and and this kind of formulate this perfect kind of picture of like Mario's insecurities, and then like a, a nice upward swing in the end. I think mm, is this the like, upward swing? Yeah, this is definitely the upward swing. That's I good. think I think the first the first movie I saw in the beginning of of twenty twenty is the question, the one I saw. Like did the create the questioning of me mm-hmm. of myself, the one in the middle like was like fuck you Mario, and this one's kind of like the get it done sort of thing. Mm. Get her done. Man. You mean like Larry the Cable Guy? 
I said get it done. And I was like, when I said get it done, I was like, oh, God, I know this sounds right. Tom's going to jump all over this Larry the Cable Guy. I'm right talking about the Fast at Night, by the way, just so you know. Oh, man. All, all three of those are Fast at Night. Is Fast at Night? Oh, I know if Fast at Night was on your list. You don't. We're recording this before we do the best of 2020. Don't spoil the illusion, Mario. No, I got to. You've been talking in the past tense so much. Well, because I keep... We keep saying things in a roundabout way that we're showing that we're not spoiling it to each other. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Any, do you have anything else to add to Nine Days? Uh, not yet. Because I only got to see this once. Mm. One and a half times through. But I will. I will, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to come we'll back, come to, back it. to it. Yeah. Because I think the options are going to be like, let's have a five-hour conversation about Top Gun, or we can <laughs> you know, talk about this. I mean, this is what our June is going to be like. This year is going to fucking stink. Because it's just going to be a lot of that. Because they've just there's, been holding on to them for stuff years. That got produced. But how? how much... It's going to be a bunch of Malcolm and Marie movies. Yeah, well, Malcolm and Marie. My favorite thing of 2021 movies. My favorite 2021 movie subplot is the fact that Malcolm and Marie started on Rotten Tomatoes with 100%, and now is at like 61. And I just love it. I don't know how they do, like, how they justify anything they do on that site, but I love when they're just like. That's fine. A hundred. A hundred percent. Because we have one review. Most of the time we don't put up a number when it's just one person. But Malcolm and Marie, sure. A hundred. And now it's like just going down and down and down and down. Yeah. It's great. And like Zendaya was like trending towards being nominated for an Oscar. And maybe even competing. And I don't, I don't think she is anymore. It's fantastic. Well, the funny thing I've heard about that is just like... Um, everyone's saying like, yeah, the performances are so solid. Everything's solid about this. It's a fucking terrible screenplay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's one. Probably because you know, it was written in like a week, right? You know it's not a terrible screenplay, though? What's this? It was nine days. It's good screenplay. Everything's good. Everything's good. Ed said Oda. You're, you're, you're in the, the world now of, of oh, geez. This is, it's always terrible when I start saying something. Excitedly, and then forget how to say the name <laughs> of the person I want to say. Uh, Edson Oda now joins like the the Koganada mm. company. Yeah, no, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, comparison. I don't know what their respective work experience was before this. Like, Koganada was an ad guy, right? No, he's a video essayist video for essayist. Criterion. Right. Um, so it's different, but I think they both made really heartfelt. Edson Oda was a copywriter. See, I'm more sad about that than, like, people's ages. That the, that the copywriting world is hiding genius filmmakers. They did a bunch of shorts, so. Watch out, watch out now. Search out. Mm. Yes. We could do, a, we could do an Edson Oda. Sh- we could do an Edson Oda special of a short of a short. Oh, we'll movies. do it, and we'll get him on. Because we'll have that clout by, the, yeah. by then. Once we stop talking about our list movies, we're going to explode. People <laughs> are like, we did not care about... I mean, it's true. Like people really don't care about our list stuff. They care about us, like talking about obscure movies, and yeah, screenwriter books. Yeah, more screenwriters need to put out books. Yeah, Neil LaBoot, get on it. No, I don't want a Neil LaBoot book. No, oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> um, no, who's the other guy? Not Neil LaBoot. Um, uh... you'll, you'll you'll enjoy this line. I'll read you from this book I'm reading right oh, now I, about I mean, Neil LaBoot. Shia, Shia LaBoot. Shia LaBoot. We can't, we can't do that. 
If you want to talk about Shia LaBeouf, probably contact your local (laughs) police enforcement. Contact a a therapist. Yeah. Because you clearly have some things going on in your life that you need to work on. If you want to talk about Nine Days, because you also sell it, though, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Uh, or you can send us an email if you are one of the makers of Nine Days and want to tell us to take this down because of embargo things, which I read the material through and I didn't see anything about it. Well, I didn't realize there could be. Yeah, there's, but there's been reviews. Tons of reviews Tons. for Nine Days. So I'm can... just saying. Also, I don't think Nine Days has like enough money behind it. You never know, man. But if it does, if it does, we'll take it down. Yeah, well, we'll take it down. I mean, we're we're going to tell people that we took it down and we're going to post the cease and desist letter We're going to be very excited. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to be very happy. Um, So email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com or uh, send us an... uh, No, don't send us an email because you already sent us an email. Uh, Go to pivotalfilm.com and you can see the... And our Instagram. Oh, yeah. Remember when we had that? We did. It was just a bunch of pictures of sad, poorly lit pictures of beer. Ah, the best. Um, and you can see some stuff about us. And we'll have our top ten lists will be on there. So if you don't feel like listening to the episode and you just want to see what the top tens were, that'll, that'll be there. If, if I'm not too consumed by my Xbox Series X, I might I might write a little write-up on my top ten. I might, might try to do it. Do it. Force me to do it, Tom. Just send me a, an email in a couple days and be like, I'll, I'll send you an email in a couple days and you just shit. respond, Xbox. <laughs> no, I'll respond, <laughs> medium. <laughs> Ray tracing. <laughs> Ray tracing. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm texting with my pinky. 120 frames per run. second. What are you going to play? You got games lined up? I'm going to play the medium. What's the medium? It's, a, it's like the first actual next-gen game released. It's Is a it horror. like Pong, but for Xbox? It's a, no, it's a, it's a horror game. It's oh. it's in the like Silent Hill style. You just, Ooh, I like Silent Hill. Is it supposed uh, to be good? It's supposed to be like... Very indie, so like very particular. Which oh, cool! It's so basically it's like you like Silent Hill. Do you like the shit that came with Silent Hill that wasn't great? You'll like the medium. Like what? Like fog? No, just like the cokey parts of it. Hmm. I didn't Silent Hill one because Silent Hill one seemed like the most terrifying thing that ever happened. One and, in video I think games. I think they're relating it to like one and two. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know because the big the big premise of this is the fact that like next gen now there's parts where. You're a medium. You're an actual medium. Mm-hmm. So you're, they uh, generate two worlds at once on oh. both screens. So like you're walking through the human world, but it's also creating like the spirit world below you, which is apparently really demanding from a video graphics standpoint. Mm. So, so it's just Stranger Things. I guess, so. <laughs> but probably better. Yeah, but it's got, it's got. It's I got would the hope guy, it would be better. It's got than the guy Stranger who did things. the scores for Silent Hill. Oh, so and those those scores are great. I love Silent Hill. That first Silent Hill game fucking changed. My I didn't life. play the first one. I played the second one. Yeah, I didn't. I, didn't, I got too scared and I stopped playing. it. I couldn't even do the second one. Not, like the first one, like ruined. And that's my life. like the best reviewed one, I think. Too. I just. It, I but that's just, a good. That's a good reason done. you couldn't play it. Yeah, I was just done. Uh, we should be done with this episode. You think so? You well, don't want to do <laughs> because because you want to do more PlayStation Two. Well, talk. We can get back. <laughs> yeah, because we'll we have a. We have quite a bit of stuff. We got a lot of work to do. All right, so we will talk to every uh, watch movies, watch all the movies that are coming out. We're gonna get June. Watch this. Yep, and you're gonna get killed in a couple weeks, folks. Maybe now. Maybe you've already started getting killed. I don't know. Um, Stuff is gonna drop. Watch the the Biden death panels have started. I can make those jokes now. Those are my favorite. I mean, if someone's gonna happen. Goodbye.